Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. This is probably my favorite Buffy episode of the whole series. And Jay Newcastle. I mean, seriously. Okay, I got real problems. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian, and we're here to talk about Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, written by Joss Whedon. Um, hold on. Apparently, Jay, you can't talk? Oh, he's got a sign with the plot summary. Let me try and read it here for you. Hold on. The entire town of Sunnydale falls under the spell of a group of fairy tale monsters called the Gentlemen. They steal everyone's voices, then set out to cut out separates as a part of a ritual. No longer able to verbalize, the gang uses interesting methods to get to the bottom of the case. Even the initiative is scrambling to try and contain the situation, but they have no clue what is happening. Giles finally fills the group in on the gentleman and reveals that the scream of a princess will kill them. Buffy finally tracks the gentleman to the clock tower, where they are holding the harvested hearts and tags. In the fight, Riley also attacks, and he and Buffy face off, unable to speak, but no- both knowing that they've been keeping big secrets from one another. In the end, Buffy and Riley end up fighting the gentleman together, and when Riley smashes the box containing the voices of the town, Buffy screams, and the gentleman's heads explode. The next day, Riley comes over to talk, but the two just sit in awkward silence. And that is the plot summary for Hush. Jay, can you talk yet? Yeah, I think now I can I can talk. I crushed my brown box of doom and got my voice back there, Brian. I find oh, it goodness. I don't know if, if ironic is the word or not, but a show that is praised for its dialogue, the most praised single episode of the entire show is the one where at least a third of it nobody's talking. Yeah, and, and they won an Emmy for this, did they not? Yeah, yeah, it's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a heck of an episode, so I can understand. But yeah, just an awesome way that they do this, and and like you said, about about I'd say at least half, maybe two thirds of the of the episode is non talking. Starts off with talking and all that stuff, and ends with talking. But yeah, what a great great episode to do, and an interesting one it had to be to write. I did think it was pretty neat. There, you know, there's not a lot of uh, sound, but there are people moving their mouths, and then they do all the drawing and bits. It's cool. What's the big thing here, Brian? Everybody here, particularly Riley and Buffy, need to say some things to each other, and they can't get it out, right? And so now they're going to be forced into a situation where they have to do that. You know, I've talked about before yeah. in some of the previous episodes of our retrospective here, some of the things I felt like I was missing this season. And it's the guiding, continual hand of Joss Whedon. The things he's been involved with here are far superior to when he has been focused on Angel or other things that he's doing. And you can tell a difference when the boss man's back, because this is this episode is far and above the previous nine. It is, and we also get some very good uh, character uh, development and storyline pieces that come together finally in this episode there's so much good stuff that comes out of this episode you know you got the riley buffy thing where's that gonna go now that they've all of a sudden found basically found out that they're holding secrets with each other that's a great little twist you got willow and the wicked group that she's been talking about we finally get to see that wicked group and what's going on with that and how much of a really a joke it is um you know, you got um, Giles, and and he's finally getting back involved with the gang more so than he was before. And really, you finally get the group working together again, which we haven't really seen uh, the full group together 
working to solve the same problem pretty much most of this season, I don't think. Yeah, this is really the first time that, as a collective, the Core 4 and then the other add-ons have done things together to solve the mystery. And and I'm with you. I like all the revelations and the things we get to here. I think we were at a point we had yeah. to get to some, to some stuff. There was no way that Buffy could keep running into the commandos and not eventually figure out that Riley was one of them. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where they go with this. They do leave us on a great hanger. You know, we need to talk. Yeah, I guess we do. It, yeah. it is. <laughs> you know, they don't know what to say. They still don't know how to talk to yeah, each it's other. A, it is. A, it's an awesome way to end the episode because this is now the. It's like almost like a pivotal point in the season. Now here we're actually finally going to start getting into what we're going to do, and it's sad that it took this long. Yeah, well, we're almost halfway through. <laughs> yeah, it's well. You know what though. We were halfway through the season last time around before we really got into the mayor full swing and stuff like that. But that was okay because we were dealing with so much cool stuff. The hangover from Buffy killing Angel and him coming back from hell and all that kind of stuff. That it was okay. We went for that ride. Yeah, exactly. Faith was such an interesting new character. I think that's the thing. We haven't been introduced to people. I mean, Riley's cool, but we kind of know what he is now. It's it's the cat's out of the bag for everybody except Buffy, you know? And so there's, there's really been nothing for us to tie into. I want to ask you this though, before we get into our main characters, what do you think of the gentlemen? I liked them. I thought they were kind of a neat little scary looking bad thing to have in the episode. And I, I kind of liked the premise of it, taking the voices away. Uh, I, I thought it was neat. I love the fact that they call it out. These are fairy tale monsters, but they're they're no fairy tale I ever heard of. But they're drawn out of all kinds of different influences. I mean, you got the little girl doing the chant, which is straight out of like mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street land, you know. But remember the last time they went fairy tale monsters on this show? It was midpoint last season. Yeah. It was Gingerbread. We got the evil Hansel and Gretel bit. This is so much better. It's almost like they needed to make up for that. And but I liked them too. They were they were oh, they were just this malevolent force. And you know what? It's never really fully explained right. what they're doing. It's just that they're doing something evil, and that if they get seven hearts, yeah, that's we bad. never know what happens so, if they do. And get I the like seven that. Hearts. I like that. There's mystery to them. Yeah, yeah, it's ne- and you know right. because that's not the point. But the the it's neat to see them how they work and that they're oh you go ahead and cut his chest open no you I insist <laughs> and then they're little I don't know if you call them their minions with the straight jackets that yeah. are open and they're swinging Those around were it's very bizarre weird. but the special effects in this episode yeah the special effects are great in this episode with the floating and all that well I tell me this though with the with the minions and I don't know I haven't read much up on it but. With the minions, when they take the hearts, doesn't it seem like the gentlemen multiply and the minions decrease? I've never noticed that. Well, uh, the first ones, the like first they, ones they show, yeah. you know, they're they're traveling down the street with the minions. There's like four of the gentlemen or something like that, and these like three or four straight-jacketed weirdos chasing after them. Then after they perform the surgery, there's it, like it's like the gentlemen had multiplied all of a sudden, and you don't see the. The straight jacket people with them. Huh. I, I thought I don't know if that was on purpose or what, but I was just wondering that. I've never read it. I don't know. The more hearts they take, the more of them become gentlemen. I don't know. That's a good point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's neat. But I like the whole setup. I like the whole evil and that we don't have an over explanation of it and that they're not trying to do something we've seen a thousand times before. I mean, this is different. Yeah. And another thing that carries this episode, Brian, is the score. Yeah. 
Well, just the soundtrack, even music per se, but soundtrack. The they, they use so much yeah. sounds in this episode that just really bring it out, and I, that's what I really loved about it. I, I love the the when they first uh, lose the voices. The first thing you get to see is Buffy brushing her teeth, and you hear every noise, and it's just kind of really neat. The kind of things that they really emphasized sound wise in this. So yeah, the soundtrack, the music, everything really comes together to make this such a really good, fun, interesting episode. And it's one of those that you, you can't watch this episode with doing something else because you'll miss everything because there's no talking. So you have to actually sit and stare at the TV to watch this episode. And that's, I like that. Less distractions. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's one you definitely have to pay attention to or you'll you'll miss so much because there's so much going on. And I've seen this episode a lot. I mean, it's, of season four, I've seen this one more than any of them because I've watched it several times just because it's so good. And you just catch new things every yeah. time. It's it's a triumph of an episode. It really, really is. And we'll, we'll laud more praise on it as we go. But I guess we need to get into some of this, Brian, and some of the things that happen. So, Brian, let's talk. let's start by talking about Willow and this new girl, Tara. Yeah, you called it out. Will is in the Wicca group, and it's kind of a, you know, it's really a joke. But there's this one girl that the group kind of dismisses and doesn't really, but she seems to know what's going on. And as we find out a little bit more about her, she's a pretty powerful witch. And you can tell, like, there's some, she's got some interest in Willow. I mean, that's, I don't know. I, what'd you think of Tara? Well, my first initial thoughts when I first saw this, and even uh, watching again here, she's a very shy girl, right? And, and when Willow starts to uh, talk up in the group asking, you know, if they're going to do any kind of spells or anything like that, she actually tries to come to her aid, but no one's given her a chance to talk. And then they kind of shut her down and she just gives in and shuts down on it. Um, so you get that. I think her interest in Willow at this point is because she sees that she's also someone who believes in the true magic of a witch and someone she can try and connect with. Um, and I really like that whole thing. And like you said, they're, she's very powerful. And when the two combine their forces together, they're very strong, which I thought was very cool with the whole, um, the whole part where they're trying to block the straight jacketed guys from getting them and they put their combined forces together and just the vending machine just goes flying across the room and blocks the door. Whereas separate, they were trying to do it and couldn't do it. So you see that when the two of them weld or meld together their powers, they're very, very strong, and that's interesting. This is like a, a very strong bond between them. I think it's a little bit of a metaphor that they're they're like it's just a very strong bond, and I, I thought that was kind of neat to put that in together. I like the fact that Tara calls out that she can tell Willow is really powerful, even though Willow says, "Nah, I, you know my spells aren't really that good." You know, she's still not confident in her abilities as a witch, mm-hmm. and why should she be? By the way, she hasn't had a lot of success with it, and, but. Tara can almost sense it in her is the way that came off to me. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the way Amber Benson plays it is that, you know, no, I can tell you're a really powerful witch and what she reveals about her own character, you know, her mom was a, a Wicca and had a lot of power. So you assume Tara probably has a lot of power because look, Amy has a lot of power and her mom was a pretty powerful yeah. little witch, right? So I, that just yeah. seems to be lineage. And I liked that. I liked that whole bit. I agree. And did you get the sense that maybe something bad happened with Tara's mom? The way she talks about it? 
Yeah, it was all like very hushed tones. Like, there's more to that. And because, again, because she's somebody that's in more than one scene and now has lines, I'm like, okay, there's a new person we get to pay attention to. And that'll get played out for us uh, over the course of the show. And I yeah. like that, though, that there's a little bit of mystery to her. You don't know what her deal is, yeah. but you automatically connect with her because she's got that really down home, sweet, very humble way about her. And that makes her different. She's almost like Willow was in season one. Yeah. I agree. I, I liked it. I thought it was a great character introduction to the group. I liked, um, or to the, to the show. And I liked, uh, the bond that they're trying to form here between Willow and Tara to show, you know, Willow's magic is now going to be taking a big part of her. It's not just something that you see here and there and she brings up. Now this is going to be something big to her and now she's got someone to do it with. So it's going to be interesting to see yeah. where that goes. What about Xander and Anya? Yeah. You know, it's time they, to get back around to our, our favorite little goofy couple. <laughs> they don't have a whole lot to do here, but Anya's favorite word this episode is definitely orgasm. She says it a couple times in, in, in <laughs> calling out Xander yeah. and saying, yeah, all you like is, all you want is orgasms, which I think is a hilarious line because Spike all of a sudden gets like, whoa, you know? And then later when Giles is talking about how he's going to have a friend, she calls Giles' friend an orgasm friend, which I think is hilarious too. Yeah. Oh, the best, the best bit is when he think you know, he comes in after everybody's lost their voices. Spike's been drinking blood and he's picking up something off the floor and he sees Anya asleep on the couch, but he thinks Spike is bitten her and he's just beating the crap out of Spike. And she wakes up and's like, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, waving him off. And then like they share this moment and she gives him the little finger through the circle, you know, hey, let's yes, go yes. and have some fun. <laughs> and I thought that that is hilarious physical comedy. And Emma Caulfield of all of these people is the best comedian of any of them. She is naturally funny. I've never seen her in anything where she failed to deliver to be funny. Yeah. And she is hilarious in this. And I love that. And I like that there's not so much to them, but that that little moment is just cute and it's funny. I, I just, I laugh at it every time. It's juvenile humor. I know it is, but it's really funny to me. Yeah. And I like that whole thing too, because with the episode basically starts off with Anya telling Xander that she thinks she's being used the whole time and just for sex. And then ends up with uh, those two, you know, him fighting off Spike because he's attacking his quote unquote girlfriend and she knows now that he's got feelings for her, and I loved it. I thought it was a great bit, and and I I, I agree the whole finger through the the whole thingy for let's go have sex was hilarious, and I like the reactions of the rest of them. They all like roll their eyes and it's like oh jeez, you know? oh yeah, like go get yes, a room, it's hilarious. You know? Stop. But that's not the only time we get Stop. a sexual gesture too. <laughs> it's really funny in this episode because when they're trying to figure out how to stop the gentleman, and Buffy starts doing the steak thing, it looks like she's doing a you know, masturbation for men. And everyone's like, what? Yeah. Everyone gets this look like, what, what are exactly? you doing? And she's like, Oh, oops. And they're like, Oh, okay. And you just, it's that floored me. I just laughed so hard because they actually went there. <laughs> well, they went, they went for a lot of gags and a lot of gag comedy. And I'll, I'll, you know, look, this show has a lot of sex on it. Okay. And it's going to have more sex on it coming up and they call it out. They make fun of it. And I thought that was funny. I, I'll, I thought all of it was played for laughs and it played well. You talked about Giles in this episode getting a little bit more back in the group. I like that. And I like that he has all of them go away because Olivia's back, you know, and, and he wants to have a little bit of downtime. So he sends Spike off to live with Xander for a couple oh, of days. Yeah. And that, that to me is funny too, you know, and it, I mean, 
and even though I, I'm still questioning Spike's role in this whole bit, I go with it because I like to see Giles being a little more authoritative and not be so in the background and so pushed yeah. away. And, and, you know, we're coming up on more of that too. But in this one, he is very important. I love how the exposition is Giles has a, has an overhead projector and he's got little yes. cartoons of what everything is because we have to get to that point, right? How are they going to do the exposition? Every Buffy episode, somebody, usually Giles explains what's wrong, how are they going to do it? I love how they do it here. And he gets, uh, again, he gets some good scenes and I, I really liked it. It was good. And I love how when he draws, I love when he draws Buffy, he draws her as a triangle and she's like, do I have wide hips? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was hilarious too. There's so. a lot of really good, good stuff. But my question is why, how did they get into Mrs. Walsh's classroom or whoever it is? They're in the college oh. doing, using a oh, projector. Oh. Hey, as someone who works on a college campus, I can tell you at night, if you catch the right building open at the right time, you can walk right in a classroom and hold a meeting. Student groups do it all the time. All right. So. Not surprised. Yeah, not surprised at all. I mean, some of them lock up, sure, but a lot of times you can get in them, and students almost always have access to them, because there's usually labs sure. and stuff that you need to get to at night. So, you know, Buffy or, or Willow or somebody could have let them in the door with their ID, for all we yeah. know, you know, but oh. that, I mean, that didn't, that never, never bothered me, because I did that kind of thing with my friends. Well, it makes sense. Well, I liked, what I also liked about the Giles storyline, too, is we learned that Olivia has been told a little bit about Giles' past. And this is the first time she's actually seen anything like this come to fruition. And what's really sad is that Giles, you know, basically tells her, you know, everything I've told you besides me being a member of Pink Floyd has been true. And can you live with that? And she says that she may be too afraid to live with that. And it's just like, oh, poor Giles is having his heart broken again. Yeah, I mean, Giles can't keep a girl, you know, because... Either they're too invested in the dark side themselves and it costs them their lives, Jenny, or they finally see it. And even though they say, okay, yeah, I can handle that. You have a past. You're in magic. Yeah, sure. And then when it comes out for real, it's just too much for her. So, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the last time we see Olivia. I don't think she ever comes back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is too. And and I think that's their way of setting it up for her not to come back. You see the hurt in Giles' eyes. It's really, really well done, I thought. Um, and a good way to get rid of a character who just really only shows up for Giles' entertainment purposes. Let's be serious here. Well, I mean, they were either going to do that right. or kill her. So, you know, it was one or the other. So I'm fine with this. I thought it was it was a good moment. And it's neat that she's the one that sees him, the, you know, out of the group. She's the first yeah. to see him and see the gentleman coming by the window. And that's really creepy and stuff. And it, it's really cool. Hey, let's talk about the initiative mm-hmm. for a second. You know, they're just as lost in this whole bit, too. And I love how Professor Walsh has, like, the speaking spell yeah. computer <laughs> or whatever going to, to, you go and patrol, Riley. I will find an answer, you know, and... Riley's still like going, what is going on? You know, he doesn't care about all the procedural stuff. And that's when the first time you really see the command and the science have yeah. a rift. Cause he's commanding the military part of it and he's going, wait a minute. You don't know what's going on. You guys study this stuff and y'all don't know what's going on. And it, it's the first setup that they let you know the initiative really has no idea what they're doing. Absolutely. And I like the whole situation too. The, the, uh, the scene where they're basically t- trying to figure out what to do. Go in street clothes. Don't upset the, the people. They're already upset as is. Try and figure out what's going on. Try and get answers, but don't, you know, 
we don't know what's go- we don't know what's going on, and and I like that whole situation that they're trying to figure it out. You got the the gang is trying to figure it out, and neither one can figure out what's going on, and it ends up being that the gang and Giles is the one to actually figure it out, which I think is kind of cool as well. Oh yeah, it's great, it's great, and and you have that moment where Riley and Buffy both you know bump into each other walking around downtown while everything's just kind of weird, and they can't speak, but Riley finally grabs her and just lays one on her, and this big swell on the music, I loved that. I thought you know that's exactly the mm-hmm. right thing to do. You know, you can't say anything, but I'm going to let you know that I'm I'm in this for real. Yeah, I liked it too. It was, for me, it was about time that something like this had happened. I've been waiting for it. They teased it at the beginning with Buffy having a dream that they kiss and then it finally pays off when, when she runs into him in the streets. And of course they're both trying to figure out what's going on. But of course, Riley's not dressed in commando outfit at this point. He's just trying to, he's in plain clothes. So nothing is really given out. She's trying to find out the answer. He's trying to find out the answer. They kind of run into each other looking for the answer. And then he just finally lays it on her. It was nice to see, you know, this is something that they've been building towards the last couple, you know, three, four episodes. And now it's starting to say, Hey, this is going to be Buffy's. This is her, her love interest now. So I liked it. And I liked that. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It's well done. And then he leaves her to go, you know, continue his protection job, having no one idea that she's out on yeah. patrol, basically. I mean, he still doesn't know she's a slayer. And that, I love how all of that ultimately resolves, though, when they both wind up in the clock tower thing mm-hmm. where all the gentlemen are. And they, well, and they're in a big fight. No, no, hold on. Let me back up back then. I love how all that resolves, though, is that Riley gets himself pinned down by a couple of the straitjacket freaks or whatever, and Buffy's been fighting him, too, and in her fight, she comes in to his rescue, and they both wind up knocking him out and then turn around, and she turns her crossbow on him, and he's got his taser, whatever that thing is he's got on her, and it's like they both look at each other like, oh, that's the moment when you know oh, so we're both spies or we're both demon hunters or whatever. And it's just the both of our actors there do a good job of the face reveal. Like, you're one of those. What are you? You know, and and I think I think Buffy's is the whole you're one of the commandos. And he's like, what are you doing? I've never seen anybody move like that. And that's pretty amazing. And it's it's a neat, uh, a neat turn of events that will play itself out as the rest of the episode works. Yeah, I liked the whole thing too, and I liked to get, you know, they stare at each other for a while trying to make sense of what's going on, and then get back in the fight, and what I really enjoyed was when Buffy was trying to tell Riley to destroy the box, and he ends up smashing one yeah. of the hearts, <laughs> and he's all proud of himself, and she's like, no, dumbass, <laughs> and she put, you know, the oh, box. the box, yeah, she's drawing the little box, I thought that was a funny moment too, I did think though it was a little cheesy that the big dramatic two steps, boom, and he smashes the box, I'm like, yeah. come on, but they needed that, and then Buffy lets out a scream, and the whole, you know, gross head ex- explosion, and that's it, yeah. and everybody gets their voices back, and uh, what'd you make of Riley's taser gun? That was a little futuristic for me. Man, that thing is a powerful taser gun. That thing just zapped the crap out of him from a nice distance, too, by the way. I know. I thought it was pretty I'm like, awesome. Man, y'all don't need the... Y'all don't need the fake tasers <laughs> that you took Spike down with. You need one of those. Exactly. I mean, pretty he's awesome. He's got the gear, man. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, he's got the gear. That's I guess that's what we're supposed to know. And then everybody's back to normal, and... What happens is yeah. Riley comes over to talk to Buffy and like we talked about, they just sit there and they don't know what yep. to say. And we go to black and I love that it leaves us hanging with that. I mean, that to me is, yeah. is the perfect ending for this episode. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Before we close everything down, though, Jade, let's talk about some of our favorite pieces of here that aren't really related necessarily to what's okay. to uh, the cast. But some of my favorite pe- parts of this whole film, uh, you know, I'd mentioned Buffy brushing her teeth and the sound effects there. The student dropping the bottle was a great sound effect to kind of break the what was going on. I, and my favorite though is the salesman. The salesman sitting on the curb crying and clutching his bag because he can't sell anything. That was genius. That's perfect. And then you get the guy who's taking advantage of the situation by selling message boards. That's amazing. uh, That's one of the funniest things to me was that like a lot of places were closed, but the liquor store was open. (laughs) You know, come drown your sorrows. I I thought that was funny. And and the newscaster with the whole, the entire town has laryngitis. And I thought, you know, they're, they're trying to give us those little things that we are all wondering, like, how do, how do you go to work when that happens? And how do you, what would the news say? And what would it be like? And, you know, obviously none of that's originating from Sunnydale. But the yeah. entire town can't communicate. And I thought, ah, it, it's neat. But the guy with the sign, yeah, exact, that's exactly what happens. You know, you know, after 9-11, everybody that could get a hold of an American flag was selling them for five bucks a pop. Yep, you know, yep. I mean, you see that kind of stuff all yeah, the time. You're in a rainstorm. People are selling rain jackets. It just happens. And that's that's what we see all the time. So it's uh, it's just really good. I. I thought it was great. And Giles uses those little music cues in his cartoon show with <laughs> the overhead awesome. projector, which is, you know, you know, really funny and all, all that stuff. We called out the, all the little hand motions that we thought were funny. I mean, there's so much stuff in this that works. And I think you, you made a good point. The soundtrack, the sound editors did a fantastic job with this of bringing out the, the ambient noise that we ignore because we're usually listening to dialogue and it's front and center here in this episode and it, it yeah. works great. No, I, I agree. It's it, the soundtrack is fantastic. It really makes this episode what it is. But we're we're at the point, Jay, where we give our dustings rating for the episode. So, what is your dustings rating for episode ten? Hush. Uh, no surprise. This is four dustings for me, and a strong four dustings. By far the best episode of the season so far, and one of the best in the Buffy lexicon altogether. I'll go ahead and call it out now. It's one of the best episodes they ever do. It's very creative and. Um, it's really fun too. It's it's one that if you know the Buffy show, you can just pop in and watch. There's a lot of stuff in here that if you, you don't know the show, it won't make sense to you. But if you know the show and you just want to watch a, a neat Buffy episode from season four, I I would say you could do a lot worse than going to Hush. So I, I'm a big fan of this. Four dustings for me. Yeah, it's four dustings for me as well. This is one of my all time favorite episodes. Uh, ranks up there close with the with what I said was my favorite uh, band candy, and um, definitely one of the top episodes. Like we said, it won an Emmy for. God's sakes. But just captivating the whole time. You you can't take your eyes off the episode because it will, number one, miss something. But it keeps you entertained throughout the whole thing. For something with no dialogue, this is done extremely well. So four dustings for me as well. It's just an absolute fun episode. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of The Art of Slaying, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. You can find more episodes in the archive section of our website, theartofslaying.com. You can also find links to our social media pages. You can find links to our film podcast, Filmstrip, where you can peruse through the archives of some of the movies we reviewed and also read our latest feature from our fellow movie podcaster, Nick, Nick's Picks, where he does some reviews of the television shows he watches. Tons of content for you. You can find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We really appreciate that. And most of all, we appreciate your listenership and support. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Slay. 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only.